Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. This show is all about sharing inspiration, uplifting stories, and practical career advice from innovative, original thinking, and pioneering women from around the world. You can find us here every second week, or why not sign up at don'tstopusnow.co so you never miss a show. Plus, you'd make our day if you could rate or review us. It really gives us a boost in more ways than one. It sure does. Now it's time for this week's show. Hello and welcome to the show. You know, I'm pretty excited to share our guest with you today as she's probably one of the most positive, resilient and talented people we know. I know this is no ordinary episode and certainly no ordinary guest. Exactly. Our guest today is international award-winning and globally acclaimed drone photographer, Sarah Jenkins. Now, Sarah also happens to be one of my best and oldest friends. Now, that's oldest in terms of how long we've known each other, I hasten to add, (laughs) which is why Claire and I know something incredibly unique about Sarah that all those award juries who gave her prizes never knew when they chose her work. Formerly fit and healthy, Sarah's been confined to a wheelchair now for more than six years. And as a result of her muscular dystrophy, she's unable to hold and use a normal camera or even the camera on an iPhone. During COVID and looking for something to do, Sarah and her daughter Lucy decided to try drone photography as Sarah knew that she could operate the toggles that control a drone and she could rest the remote control in her lap rather than have to hold it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Within months of starting, Sarah and her daughter Lucy won their category at the Boston International Film Festival. They were winners of Capture Magazine's Top Emerging Photographer for the Year in the Single Shot category, and they had numerous honourable mentions and awards all around the world. Pretty incredible. So in this episode, you'll learn how Sarah stays positive despite having lost so many physical capabilities, her attitude, to learning her craft as she goes, how despite being invited to enter global awards and having other international recognition, she still suffers from imposter syndrome, and Sarah's advice to others wanting to pursue a new creative endeavour. Now, you'll hear a few different place names mentioned in this episode. Sarah's based in Perth in Western Australia these days, but during COVID, she relocated for health reasons to the isolated coastal town of Port Douglas in far north Queensland to escape the city crowds. Indeed she did. Now, without further ado, get ready to be inspired by the positive and can-do talent that is Sarah Jenkins. Sarah Jenkins, welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Hi. (laughs) It's lovely to be here with you. Hi. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? It is a bit weird. Here we are in beautiful Perth in Western Australia, where I grew up, and that's where I first met you all those many decades ago, really, now. 
Crazy. Back in the 80s. Yeah. Now, as you know, a question we ask all of our guests to kick off with is, you know, if you met someone for the first time at a dinner party and they asked you, Sarah, tell me, what do you do? How would you briefly answer that? Probably say that I'm an accidental drone photographer. But yes, drone photographer in a nutshell. I can't say I'm a photographer because I can only operate a drone. <laughs> well, we're going to get into that. It's really exciting. Claire's sort of sitting on the edge of her seat because she's a passionate photographer and a bit of a drone photographer herself. By the way, nowhere near Sarah. So um, I think we will have to just quickly, you know, cut to the chase and sort of say, is there a story, you know, for how you came to be not just a drone photographer, but an international award-winning drone photographer as well. So, yes, it's the crazy times of COVID and what it brought to different people. For me, even though it was such a diabolical period in most people's lives, it actually created some incredible opportunities for others. And I guess I'm a product of that because this would never would have happened if it hadn't been for COVID. Can you sort of take us back to, you know, what was the moment that made you think, I should get a drone? I was living in Port Douglas at the time and my daughter Lucy came up from Melbourne because she was studying architecture but they'd closed the university courses down. So she managed to get out and escape the lockdown and came to live with me for a few months and we thought, gosh, we could get really bored here. We need something to do. And a family member had previously bought a drone and we just loved the photos that seemed to be fairly instant and I thought relatively easy to take. So I said to Lucy, let's get one. And we did. We bought a drone and we got it <laughs> delivered as everyone else did in COVID times and it arrived and we put it together and basically we just took to the skies of Port Douglas. Which, when you think about that, there's many people putting drones up into the air, but they're not actually taking shots like you. <laughs> no, I guess from the very outset, we, you know, we were quite aware of what, after we, I bought the drone, I really looked at Instagram, for example, and we kind of wanted a point of difference not your classic sweeping landscape shots. So we got creative, I guess. <laughs> we thought about things and kind of had an idea of what things looked like from top down. And so we started off, and I don't think we started off particularly well, but through trial and error, I mean, we did, we did do the classic landscape stuff, but we quickly decided that we had to think of something else. And I guess through the collaboration with Lucy, who is very creative, and my previous experience with art and painting, I think it just clicked. I don't know. It was just the perfect kind of combination. So, yeah, I just got ideas and we had a basketball court not far from us in Port Douglas, which was the perfect canvas for our photos that we wanted to do. And we kind of launched from there, really. It's amazing. And, you know, I think the thing that is really interesting and unique is, first of all, the point of view that you have with the photos. But secondly, 
you know, you commented on the fact that you don't do any other type of photography and there's a reason for that, isn't there? Yes. Do you want to, do you want to tell, <laughs> do you want to tell our listeners what the reason is? Well, yeah. So 30 years ago, I was diagnosed with a muscle wasting disease. It was initially thought to be a disease called spinal muscular atrophy, but in the fullness of time and with more research, uh, further 10 years down the track, it was confirmed to be muscular dystrophy. And so I started off on a fairly strong athletic base and then I gradually got weaker. I had two children, two girls, and then I, you know, started to struggle a little bit. Um, I started to use a walking stick and then I would start to use a wheelchair just to go out from my house. And then unfortunately in 2016, I was bowled over by my dog, (laughs) Pippa. And I broke my leg very badly. It was quite catastrophic. And the upshot of that was I never never stood up again, never walked again, never drove a car again and confined to a wheelchair, which also made – I mean, the fact that I've I've got a muscle-wasting disease, it's all over. It's my hands, it's my arms, it's my legs. So it's difficult to hold a camera. And even a mobile phone camera is – difficult. And I saw how a drone was operated with a remote control in your lap with a tiny, two tiny toggles for your thumbs. I thought, well, that's something I can do. So it kind of just evolved from that. I took it from there. I can imagine that seeing the shots that you're taking with the drone because you are now confined to the wheelchair. What kind of feelings does that elicit in you? Does that make you feel a bit freer, for example? Yeah, it does. Although I think I hold my breath the whole time. (laughs) Do you? Well, I don't know about holding my breath. The adrenaline must flow because I'm so thirsty when I land the drone. I really think my heart almost stops. It's a mixture of excitement from what I can see and take. And also just I've got this basically, I guess, an apparatus that's flying around in the skies that – could hit something or be hit by something or, you know, could drop down. And that's an expensive amount of equipment that could, you know, smash to the ground. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a mixture of feelings. But when I see the photo through my phone, I know it's going to be a good one. I just get that. Yeah. Oh, heart races. I just get so excited. Yeah. It's a magic experience, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I, I really resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These two drone photographers are going to go <laughs> off on a tangent if I don't rescue the situation, folks. <laughs> and, you know, I want to go back because you, I'm curious, you were saying that, you know, when you were starting out, you and Lucy were looking for a point of difference. What was your intent? Like, what was your kind of plan or vision for? For using the drone and taking photos. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine what things look like from above and I don't know what or why that happens. But I did, the one, the photo that did get us all our recognition in the beginning was one that was inspired by a photograph taken by Lucy, but just with a mobile phone. But from above, her girlfriend was swimming in, well, actually lying on a donut in the pool and she managed to get above her and take a top-down photo with her phone and I just loved it. I actually ended up painting it and I passed by that painting for months in Port Douglas 
And it just gave me the idea for our photo, which was called, it's called Compromise. And it was set on the basketball court in a donut ring. And it was in the middle of lockdown, not strict lockdown because we could go. You're in <laughs> Queensland. The photo we were in Queensland, yes. But it was meant to evoke that feeling of, okay, when times are tough, you can't go and do what you normally want to do, like swim in a pool or, you know, float in an ocean. And so this girl being on the basketball court is compromising that situation, yet still enjoying herself, reading a magazine. Look, looks like she's having fun. Yeah, so. I did not know that that was the backstory to yeah. that photo. It's such a brilliant photo. And why it was called It's Called Compromise. Yeah, it's the wow, compromises okay. that we all had to make during COVID, which were a lot for some people, but still in trying to enjoy life at the same time. And for listeners who haven't seen your work, and obviously we'll put Air Bear, your business's website, you know, in the show notes, but how would you just briefly describe the style? I know I've heard you use the word minimalism, for yeah. example, but how do you So describe- we are moving into being minimalist photographers. Uh, and that- what does that mean? So a lot of negative space in your photos. So your eye is drawn to the subject. So we lose the distractions and we we train the eye to look at the subject and to know what the subject is and the purpose of the photograph. And the other thing I'd say is, you know, I think what you bring is you make us see everyday items in the world in a completely new light. Yes. And then the other part I love is that Often there's a real wit and yeah, totally. um, some sense so, of humour yeah. because you are looking at something. Yeah, um, I try to look at the double entendre, I guess, <laughs> with the captions. And sometimes the captions honestly take longer than the process of the photo. Yeah, well, I actually think it's really representative of you, <laughs> you know, because you know, I know both Greta and I often talk about this, about, you know, just how positive a person you are. And you're one of the most amazing people in terms of resilience that we know, because you have to deal with a whole heap of stuff that none mm. of us have to deal with, as well as all the other shit that <laughs> happens in life. Yeah. And so, so therefore, I think your aesthetic makes sense. But, you know, if we sort of talk about that sort of positivity, how do you stay positive like what do you do practically well practically I I think you've got to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and I don't know I mean I'm I'm blessed with I guess uh, a gene I don't know a gene or something that just makes me think of the the positives in life and what I have got that works well and I mean I thank Every day I've got two beautiful daughters, Lucy and Tess, that have become very successful women through university and now employment. So that gives me such joy and I do it for them. But I don't know, nobody else has got to live my life except for me. And if I don't live it, then I can't expect anyone else to help me with it. You know, I've got to do it. And everyone else has got their own stuff and their own lives to navigate through and yeah this is it for me but you just I don't know what it is I don't I can't I can't give you the magic answer I don't think but I just thank 
goodness for what I've got. And I do feel I've got a lot. Yeah. So I really, yeah, I haven't got much to be sorry about. Although when you, if I really zone in on my disability, yes, but I don't do that. Yeah, right. So you're, so you're focusing basically on the things that you're really grateful what for. What I can do. And what you, what you can control. Yeah. You know, you're also the most unbelievable planner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you could organize anything. And so is that something that you think you do because it, you know, it keeps you focused and moving forward on action? Just, I think when, when you've got a disability, you have to think four, five, six steps ahead probably of someone that doesn't because you've got to anticipate all the issues that can possibly crop up in the course of of anything in life, travel or just the day ahead. And so you go to the nth degree to make sure that that's going to work. Otherwise, it's just too anxiety-provoking. You need to know when you get there, is there a step? Is there room to navigate through the through somewhere that you've got to go? Is there... Are there facilities? Are there people that can help you or people that can't help you? And it's just made me, I don't know, my brain just goes into gear, into a gear that just anticipates everything in the course of of events. So I think that's set me up to be really good at planning. Yeah, you're a scenario planner. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we're scenario planner, which annoys my girls. (laughs) Because I, I think, well, what if this happens? And they go, Mom, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it might happen. And what if it does? We have to do this and that. And yeah, I probably overthink as well. <laughs> yeah, right. <okay. laughs> frankly. But yeah, that's just me and that's the way I have to live my life. So yeah. And nobody can really understand that except me and maybe other people that are in my situation. What I love is that planning means that you, wherever possible, don't let your disability get in the way of you experiencing uh, a rich, full life, including travel. Yeah. I love, I love all the research you do with travel, not just about the sort of the practical logistical scenarios, but then you know more about a destination than I reckon some of the locals probably yeah. do. I, I don't like wasting life. time. Yeah. I like to put as much as I can in each day. And I actually look at Google Maps and work out how long it takes to get from here to there. And I actually did a trip from London on the Eurostar a couple of years back and we had a day in Paris and I actually planned it right down to the last minute. (laughs) Except we missed the train to get back to London. (laughs) So that was a little bit of a curveball, but we, yeah, it's sorted itself out. We managed to find a hotel and get on the next train the next day. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it doesn't always go to plan. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've talked a little bit about you used to paint. You know, if we go right back to young Sarah and your background, you know, what did you want to do growing up and what did you study at university? So I, yeah, I was one of these kids that really didn't know what they wanted to do. I was quite strong at sciences and quite strong at art and what kind of covers both those bases and I came up with architecture I just kind of thought yeah I'll give it a go and I did I started at UWA but I think I was too young I wasn't ready for university life I should have probably taken a year off consolidated myself a bit and then started but I didn't so I just couldn't see myself getting to the end of it so I quit 
and I ended up going into nursing, would you believe? But my dad was a doctor and I thought, oh, yeah, let's do this. So I did nursing and really wasn't my bag, but I stuck at it. And then I kind of dabbled in painting every now and then, but I never really got back into it since school days. And then when I eventually moved to Sydney, which was in my 50s, I did an art course and rediscovered the love of it. And I started painting again. That kind of opened up another bit of my creativity. I loved it. I loved it. But I was finding it quite difficult holding a paintbrush. I could only paint with the canvas flat on a table. I couldn't use an easel. So it was challenging. Yeah, that must be really hard to get the perspective and things. Yeah, so someone had to keep putting the painting up in front of me yeah, so that I could correct it. So it's quite labour-intensive. And my very last big painting that I did was a huge one of Lucy. I actually had to have physio after I finished it. Gosh. <laughs> so it was, it was quite a challenge. But then I started droning. So my creativity took another, another road, I guess. And thinking about all that international recognition, you know, the very first award was not even an Australian award. It was the <laughs> Boston International Drone Film Festival. Yes. You know, you won an award for True, your yeah. photo. So they contacted there. us on Instagram. It's amazing. So you got approached proactively to enter. Yes. So they said, we'd really like you to enter the competition with this photo. And so I said, okay, I don't even know how to send a file. Like I didn't know. <laughs> Isn't that incredible when yeah. you think about it now? Because I said, oh, we want, and we want this info, the ISO, the shutter speed and the focal length. And I'm going, Lucy, where do I find all that? <laughs> So I'm a bit embarrassed to say, but, you know, we were learning. So now I kind of am a full bottle on files and sharing and, as you know, Claire. Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, it's evolved. I've taught myself. I've looked. I've learnt. I've had to study and learn things online to work things out. So anyway, we entered this competition. It was in a category. And we, yes, we won that category. And I think it gave us a little bit of confidence. And also to know that there were competitions because I didn't even know about those. So I saw a ad for Capture Magazine's Australasia's Top Emerging Photographer Awards. And I thought, oh, okay. I looked at the criteria. I said, yep, why don't I enter this one? Because I know that it's obviously caught somebody's eye. And we entered it. And Capture has a, so it was a single shot category. They have lots of categories and we couldn't believe it, but we won that category as well. And it was the second thing that we ever entered and still can't believe that we, we did that, but it's been the vehicle, I guess, for us and the confidence boosting that we needed to think maybe we are okay at this. I just love to know, you know, when you first heard that you'd won the Boston Award and then Capture, you know, take us to that moment when you first either got the email, the text, the call. Yeah. What were you thinking? What did you think? Is this really happening? This is crazy. Like we're just two mother-daughter in a very remote part of Australia with a drone that we bought literally months before. This isn't happening. This is weird. It's just, yeah, it was surreal. And when we won capture, I, 
I really didn't understand the, I guess I could say enormity of it, but it's a very well-respected magazine in Australia and I guess Australasia. And to win that was just mind-blowing. You know, clearly you're not just a mother-daughter, you know, amateur photographer team. You may have felt like you were, yeah, but you've got something really special, yeah, and that's and that's what they're seeing, mm. which is just it's magical, and and I think also it makes you know if you're listening to this thinking I've got a passion for something or I want to just give something a go, hopefully it gives other people real motivation to just give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. You just don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You need to get yourself out there as yeah. well. If you've got something to show. Put it up on Instagram and it's a worldwide audience and you just never know who is going to see that photo. Plus, it's also a great learning platform because you see other people that are like-minded who are maybe doing the same sort of stuff that you're thinking about doing and it gives you great ideas and and it makes you learn. You just don't know what's inside you. You really don't. So if you've got a passion for something, then just give it a go. And this world has opened up for anyone to be successful, really. Yeah, absolutely. There's so so much opportunity now. With all reach. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's so, right. And, you know, there must be moments where, you know, you have to push through the fear of putting yourself out there. Because I know, you know, I once did a photography exhibition and it took me maybe 12 months of friends badgering me to do it mm. because I felt actually really scared because when it's your art, you've, it's personal, isn't it? Yeah, it's very personal. And also, if you're talking about an exhibition, your artwork does look different when it's up on the wall to just a little screen. Yeah. So that's also quite confronting. But it's also very exciting when you do see it. You've gone on to be recognized by a big publisher, a big German publisher, I think they are. Mm-hmm. So you've been, you were chosen as one of how many was 15? it? 15 international minimalist photographers around the world. And were they, were they drone photographers or just? No, no, only three of us were drone photographers. So you've been published in this beautiful, huge book. Now, how did that? feel when they I thought I was being scammed at first (laughs) really yeah again you get contacted and said I would like to put your photos in a book um I think you're publishing a book on minimalism and photography I had never heard of the publishing company I actually got in touch with a lawyer media lawyer to investigate the company to see whether or not they were actually legitimate which they did so they didn't know a lot about them but I felt happier having got that information (laughs) and then the process of being involved and they were just delightful people to work with I just can't believe the book really and the fact that we are among very esteemed company yeah I mean you've been hand-plucked out of 
however many billion the world now has is eight billion and you're one of 15 they selected yeah. in this but know. it's because we've got a point of difference yeah, yeah that's different. interesting isn't it that's that's the key i'm really curious too you know whether it was the publishers or the boston film festival folk or capture magazine folk what kind of reactions have you had from people in those kinds of positions when they learn that not only are you a world class drone photographer but you're actually a wheelchair confined drone photographer? Well, a couple of places took up the story. Just recently, uh, we were published in Capture Magazine's The Annual, which showcases the year of Australian photography, of photographers. So that picture was picked up by an editor in the Weekend Australian magazine. And so he wanted to do a piece on the story, which was Roy the Skater Boy, who was a boy just travelling around Australia with his skateboard uh, and his backpack and used skating to kind of just disappear from the world for however long he was doing it for, just to to clear his mind and to uh, just to live in the moment. And he'd seek out places to use it, not necessarily skate parks, but basketball courts, netball courts, anywhere that he could skate. And the editor saw the photo in Capture in the annual and contacted me and wanted to do a piece in the heart of the nation for the photo and interviewed Roy and interviewed me. And, yeah, that mentioned my wheelchair. But I'm sort of interested, like, not necessarily media coverage, but, mm. you know, when they when someone at Capture Magazine has learnt you're in a wheelchair, have you been met with disbelief or anything like that with anybody? No, I didn't really put it out there, to be honest, until I was interviewed by the ABC, which was in May last year. So this was a year after I, we won Capture. So they didn't even know? No, they didn't know. Uh, you know, I just did, well, I wasn't ready to go there. Yeah, I wanted people to like the photos, not like them because they thought that I was doing things that from a wheelchair. You know, sort of have sympathy for you. Yeah, and therefore like the photo because of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, get I wanted that. them to concentrate on the photography, yeah. not on. On me sitting in my chair, so I didn't really know. Amazing. People, did, yeah. people didn't know until May last year when I was interviewed. That was the first time it went out. The story went out. It's not even in our profile on our website. I probably should update that. Well, maybe or maybe not. I mean, <laughs> what does it matter? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's irrelevant. It is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's inspiring to other people who maybe have a disability and want to do things, but it really is relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's been amazing, and we, 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 I think probably one of our biggest awards, which wasn't really an award, but it was an honourable mention in the International Photography Awards, which was like end of last year. And I think once that happens, I think, yeah, maybe we are okay. (laughs) Maybe we are okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like that's imposter syndrome or is that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And how, if at all, do you think that holds you back? Well... I mean, I know there's a, there's a lot I don't know about photography, but I feel like sometimes when you know too much, maybe that kind of impacts negatively. 
Yeah. Because you, something's not perfect that you don't go with it, but maybe the imperfections of it are what makes the photo. Sometimes too much knowledge is, can be detrimental, I think, but I feel like I've got so much more to learn. There's, uh, um, technically, I think. I love that spin that you just put on that because <laughs> that's not imposter syndrome. That's actually knowing that you've got a lot to learn and seeing it as a learning opportunity, yeah. which is a perfect way of actually spinning it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And the other thing that I always note and I think is a brilliant quality is the fact that you always ask questions when you don't know something. And many people are too, you know, they're embarrassed to do that. And I think that really holds them back. Yeah. Because you need to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, we, absolutely. All, we all try and look as if we're, you know, <laughs> we know more we know. than we actually do. Yeah. 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 Sarah, if you sit back and you think about what success looks like, what does, uh, what does it look like to you? Yeah. So I am struggling a little bit in the direction I want to take Air Bear with and with Lucy as well. I don't want to just be selling prints. Yeah. I, I Which feel, you do, by the way, listeners, she does now and they're amazing. <laughs> Starting to. <laughs> I have to get better at promotion and in marketing and that's another story. But I would love to be part of an advertising campaign, for example. The shots that I do would be great for advertising I don't know, sportswear or particular items of clothing, handbags or you can make anything skateboards good. Yeah, or, you, you can. know, I, yeah, I'd love to see a really big blown up shot, for example, of the skating, Roy the Skater Boy on a wall in a skateboard shop. I reckon that would just be a killer. Yeah. But you no, know, how do you get there? I have no idea. This yeah, but you'll find, you, you'll find it. You'll find it. You'll find it. You really will. Yeah. Yeah. So. Go, I'd like to go down that pathway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. It's been really interesting for me and I'm sure for you, Gret, as well. Yeah. Because we know you really well, yes. but we never, you know, you don't often get the opportunity to sit and ask these type, well, you do, but you never ask them yeah. these type of questions. Uh-huh. And so it was fabulous to sort of delve into that. There's a lot of real nuggets that I think our listeners will take away. So thank you so much. We love Air Bear. We're going to put it up on our show notes. So everybody go there, buy these beautiful prints, or just check out what Air Bear's doing on Instagram. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was so great to talk to you today. Awesome, and we loved having you, Sarah. You know, Sarah is one of my oldest and dearest friends. She was my first ever flatmate, so maybe I'm biased, but, you know, I do find Sarah so positive and inspiring. When I first flattered with her, she was water skiing, she was super sporty, she loved the beach, and it just makes her positive attitude now that she's confined to a wheelchair all the more impressive, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I don't actually think you're biased. What Sarah's achieved on a global stage, along with her daughter Lucy, is pretty incredible, particularly in such a short amount of time. And I really like that she's open and honest about the fact that she's learning as she goes with all of this. It's just so refreshing. Yeah, it really is. She's got a really humble and growth-focused mindset, hasn't she? Yeah, she really has. We have Sarah and Lucy's work on our walls. And if you're interested to take a look at their work, then head to airbear.com.au or find them on Insta. 
and we've linked to those on our show notes pages as well sure have well that's this episode done and dusted stay tuned for one of our super helpful and practical how-to episodes when we're back in two weeks time and in the meantime have a great week stay safe and try something new you've always wanted to ciao for now as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.